Chapter 7 of The Unconditional Freeness of the Gospel This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Unconditional Freeness of the Gospel by Thomas Erskine Consistency Between Present Forgiveness and Future Judgment the great truth which I have been trying to press upon my readers is that neither forgiveness of sin nor deliverance from punishment is the great and ultimate blessing which God intends for man in the work of Christ, that, in fact, the forgiveness of sin is only a preparatory step, as it were, to the great blessing, which consists in becoming, quote, the habitations of God through the Spirit, end quote, in being, quote, turned away every one of us from our iniquities, end quote, in being, quote, holy and without blame before God in love, end quote, quote, in having eternal life, end quote. No creature can have any real goodness in it except in so far as it is dwelt in by God, or in other words, in so far as it is the habitation of God through the Spirit. None is good save one that is God, and the creature can be good only by being indwelt by him. But how is the creature to attain this state? It cannot draw down God into itself, it is weakness. How then is the object to be accomplished? In order to answer this question, we have only to see how man fell at first. God had told him that if he sought for happiness elsewhere than in the provision which he had made for him, he would find death instead of life. The devil told him that instead of death, he would find great advancement by doing so, and thus suggested that God's prohibition did not proceed from love, but from grudging. As soon as Adam disbelieved God's love, his heart shut against God. Before this, Whilst he had full confidence in God's love, his heart stood ever wide open to God, and as we live and move and have our being in him, his ever open heart was ever receiving God into it, and thus he continued good with God's own goodness until his heart was closed by disbelief. Then he ceased to have any goodness in him, or true life, or true blessedness, for he had shut out the love and the life and the blessedness of God. By this act, though he did not destroy God's love, he yet changed his own relation to it. God's is a love which rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Therefore it could not rejoice in a creature which had shut out the truth. The love of God in such circumstances could not be favor, for he regardeth only the righteous with favor, and it is in his favor that there is life. A righteous barrier was raised by sin between God and man. As man had shut out God, so he was shut out from that, quote, favor of God, end quote, in which alone there, quote, is life, end quote. But God's love still yearned over man, and desired again to embrace him with favor, that he might live, and to this end he sent forth his Son, who is, quote, the truth, end quote, into the human nature, 
to become the head of the nature, and to fulfill all righteousness as its head, that so that loving favor in which there is life, and which rejoiceth only in the truth, might again rejoice with man and embrace the human race. This is the work of Christ in the flesh. God now sees truth in the human nature, for he sees Jesus in it, and therefore his love can rejoice in it. Quote, he hath made of one blood all the nations of the earth, end quote. And Jesus has taken that one blood and offered it up pure. He has entered into the one flesh and yet remains in it and shall remain in it forever. And in him, as the head of this one flesh, is lodged the fullness of the Spirit. As the lifeblood which circulates through the whole body wherever it can find access, that is, wherever it finds a heart open to God. Now this opening of the human heart to let in the lifeblood can only be produced by a belief in forgiveness. Until a man believes that his sins are forgiven, his heart necessarily remains closed, for he cannot have confidence in God till then. We cannot have confidence in anyone who, we think, regards us with unforgiveness, and it is confidence alone which opens the heart. Therefore, so long as a man refuses to believe in forgiveness, so long does he refuse access to the Spirit of God into his heart. If the condemnation is not actually removed, there can be no ground for confidence in God, and so there can be no way of obtaining that life which is the favor of God. But we are now, to say the least of it, and far indeed it is below the truth, in as favorable a condition as Adam was before the fall. He had not to create or call forth the favor of God, but had merely to rejoice in a favor which ever rested on him, and to receive it into him as his life. And even so, we have not to create or call forth the forgiving love of God, in which alone there is life for a sinner, but to rejoice in that forgiving love which in Christ ever rests upon us, and so to receive it into us as our life. And as there is no inconsistency between the love and favor which rested on Adam before the fall and the judgment which condemned him after the fall for rejecting that love and favor which had been resting on him, so there is no inconsistency between the forgiveness which is now resting upon every man during this dispensation of grace and the judgment which at its close will condemn those who shall be found to have rejected that forgiving favor which had been resting on them. Adam was called on to rejoice in the love of God. This was his life, and this he could not have done unless that love had been resting upon him. The condemnation of sin consists in not being permitted to rejoice in the love of God, and so the word of condemnation in the day of judgment is, quote, depart, end quote. That is, you are no longer permitted to rejoice in God's love, you have separated yourself from it. Nothing short of this is condemnation, for surely no creature can be said to be under condemnation that is still permitted and called on to rejoice in the love of God. 
Into this true condemnation Adam fell by his apostasy, and out of it he was delivered by the seed of the woman, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The deliverance from this condemnation through the forgiveness of sins is the permission again to rejoice in the love of God, the permission again to drink out of the fountain of God, which is love and life. And now we know that throughout this dispensation the word of God to every man is, quote, Come unto me, all ye that labor, end quote. Quote, Ho, every one that thirsteth, come to the waters, end quote. Quote, Rejoice in the Lord always, end quote. And one of the condemning sins of Israel was, quote, Because they served not the Lord with gladness, end quote. But this forgiving love, which rests on every man during this dispensation, is so far from opposing the coming judgment that it is actually the ground of that judgment, just as the love which rested on Adam before the fall was the ground of his subsequent condemnation. We have the permission to drink out of God's love in order that we may so drink. We are permitted to rejoice in God in order that our hearts be filled with him. And thus, those who are not led by the forgiveness of sin to drink out of God and to rejoice in his love, frustrate the counsel of God against themselves, and when the dispensation of judgment arrives, they shall be condemned for having so done. Quote, Return unto me, for I have redeemed you, end quote, is the true preaching of repentance, for repentance and returning are one thing, and no man was ever called on, or could ever be called on, to return on any other terms. And this is the condemnation that men, quote, deny the Lord who has bought them, and thus bring upon themselves swift destruction, end quote. Christ is, quote, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world, end quote, and thus he is, quote, the light of the world, end quote. For until the forgiveness of sin is known, all is darkness. Until then, every step which a man takes is in darkness. Quote, and this is the condemnation, that the light hath come into the world, and men have loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds are evil. End quote. Thus we see, that the condemnation of God is grounded on man's rejection of forgiving love. Quote, Despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasurest up for thyself wrath against the day of wrath, the coming dispensation of judgment, and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds." End quote. This last expression is evidently taken from the last verse of Psalm 62, in which Psalm the speaker, who is none other than the divine Son, confesses God as his salvation and glory, the rock of his strength and his refuge. And then this true truster calls on all people to trust in this God, who is as much their refuge as his, and warns them against trusting either in other men or in their own strength or riches. Then he sums up the reasons for putting our trust in God in these words, quote, 
Power belongeth unto God, also unto thee, O God, belongeth mercy. End quote. And having placed before men the two principles of trust in God and trust in the creature, with their consequences, he thus concludes, quote, Thou renderest to every man according to his works, end quote. That is, according to his trust, the trust being the principle of action. He who trusts in God acts according to God. He who trusts in the flesh, or the creature, acts according to its suggestions. If the mercy of God to every man is denied, then the scriptural ground of judgment on every man is also denied. The righteous judge is coming to judge and to reign, and the voice which has been sent forth into this wilderness before him to prepare his way is the proclamation of the remission of sins through his blood. This was the preaching of John the Baptist. He called on men not to repent in order to have their sins remitted, but to repent or to turn the eye of their soul to the truth of a forgiveness already bestowed, and the belief of this message is always indispensable in order to prepare the heart to welcome the coming king. Reader, farewell. I believe that what I have written is according to the word of God, and as far as it is so, I may look up to him for a blessing on it. It would be an unspeakable joy to me to have any reason to think that it has been really honored by him to be the bearer of a message to your soul. At all events, I trust it may not do you the injury of exciting the spirit in you of controversy. If you don't agree with it, lay it down and go to the Bible, and if you do agree with it, in like manner lay it down and go to the Bible, and go in the spirit of prayer to him whose word the Bible is, and ask of him, and he will lead you into all truth. He will give you living water. End of chapter 7 End of the Unconditional Freeness of the Gospel by Thomas Erskine